Look, a book, a podcast where Auckland librarians read stories. Join us each episode as we read moments from the stories we love. Currently, we're exploring Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. Today, we have Sinead from Takapuna Library and also Lily Kiora from Northcote Library. Not that long ago, in a place not that far away, a group known as the Librarians gathered together to retell the classic stories they love. During their meeting, a white rabbit ran past. Oh dear, oh dear, I shall be late! Then he pulled out a pocket watch and disappeared down a large rabbit hole. This was the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland, and so the librarians decided to follow him. Welcome. Today we are exploring the magical worlds of Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass. These classic stories were written over 150 years ago for four-year-old Alice Little and her sisters. The author, Lewis Carroll, first invented Wonderland while making up stories for the girls while having a picnic. Alice loved the stories so much that she asked him to write them down. They were first known as Alice's Adventures Underground. Over the last 150 years, these stories have been retold again and again in books, graphic novels, movies and more. Today we will be reading moments from the original stories. You can find them and many other versions at Auckland Libraries. Come in and see. Kia ora, I'm Lily from the lovely Northcote Library. This is an incredible chapter and not just because it has the iconic tea party scene. I actually love how rude Alice is in this, all her interrupting and asking questions. I was a pretty precocious kid and I loved that Alice speaks up when something doesn't make sense or frustrates her. Plus, a lot of the chapter is pure nonsense talk and I love nonsense. Why is a raven like a writing desk indeed? There was a table set out under a tree in front of the house and the March Hare and the Hatter were having tea at it. A Dormouse was sitting between them, fast asleep, and the other two were using it as a cushion, resting their elbows on it and talking over its head. Very uncomfortable for the Dormouse, thought Alice, only, as it's asleep, I suppose it doesn't mind. The table was a large one, but the three were all crowded together at one corner of it. No room, no room, they cried out when they saw Alice coming. There's plenty of room, said Alice indignantly, and she sat down in an armchair at one end of the table. Have some wine, the March Hare said in an encouraging tone. Alice looked all around the table, but there was nothing on it but tea. I don't see any wine, she remarked. There isn't any, said the March Hare. Then it wasn't very civil of you to offer it, said Alice angrily. It wasn't very civil of you to sit down without being invited, said the March Hare. I didn't know it was your table, said Alice. It's laid for a great many more than three. Your hair wants cutting, said the Hatter. He had been looking at Alice for some time with great curiosity, and this was his first speech. You should learn not to make personal remarks, Alice said with some severity. It's very rude. The Hatter opened his eyes very wide on hearing this, but all he said was, Why is a raven like a writing desk? Come, we shall have some fun now, thought Alice. I'm glad they've begun asking riddles. I believe I can guess that, she added aloud. Do you mean that you think you can find out the answer to it? said the March Hare. Exactly so, said Alice. Then you should say what you mean, the March Hare went on. I do, Alice hastily replied. At least, at least I mean what I say. That's the same thing, you know. 
Not the same thing a bit, said the hatter. You might as well just say that I see what I eat is the same thing as I eat what I see. You might just as well say, added the March Hare, that I like what I get is the same thing as I get what I like. You might just as well say, added the Dormouse, who seemed to be talking in his sleep, that when I breathe, I sleep is the same thing as I sleep when I breathe. It is the same thing with you, said the Hatter, and here the conversation dropped, and the party sat silent for a minute, while Alice thought over all she could remember about ravens and writing desks, which wasn't much. The Hatter was the first to break the silence. What day of the month is it? he said, turning to Alice. He had taken his watch out of his pocket and was looking at it uneasily, shaking it every now and again and holding it to his ear. Alice considered a little and then said, The fourth. Two days wrong, sighed the Hatter. I told you butter wouldn't suit the works, he added, looking angrily at the March Hare. It was the best butter, the March Hare meekly replied. Yes, but some crumbs must have got in it as well, the Hatter grumbled. You shouldn't have put it in with the bread knife. The March Hare took the watch and looked at it gloomily. Then he dipped it in his cup of tea and looked at it again, but he could think of nothing better to say than his first remark. It was the best butter, you know. Alice had been looking over his shoulder with some curiosity. What a funny watch, she remarked. It tells the day of the month and doesn't tell what o'clock it is. Why should it? muttered the Hatter. Does your watch tell you what year it is? Of course not, Alice replied very readily. But that's because it stays the same year for such a long time together. Which is just the case with mine, said the Hatter. Alice felt dreadfully puzzled. The Hatter's remark seemed to have no sort of meaning in it, and yet it was certainly English. I don't quite understand you, she said, as politely as she could. The Dormouse is asleep again, said the Hatter, and he poured a little hot tea upon its nose. The Dormouse shook his head impatiently and said, without opening its eyes, Of course, of course, just what I was going to remark myself. Have you guessed the riddle yet? The Hatter said, turning to Alice again. No, I give it up, Alice replied. What's the answer? I haven't the slightest idea, said the Hatter. Nor I, said the March Hare. Alice sighed wearily. I think you might do something better with the time, she said, than waste it in asking riddles that have no answers. If you knew time as well as I do, said the Hatter, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. It's him. I don't know what you mean, said Alice. Of course you don't, the Hatter said, tossing his head contemptuously. I dare say you've never even spoken to time. Perhaps not, Alice cautiously replied, but I know I have to beat time when I learn music. Ah, that accounts for it, said the Hatter. He won't stand beating. Now, if you only kept on good terms with him, he'd do almost anything you liked with the clock. For instance, suppose it were nine o'clock in the morning, just time to begin lessons. You'd only have to whisper a hint to time, and round goes the clock in a twinkling. Half past one, time for dinner. I only wish it was, the March Hare said to itself in a whisper. That would be grand, certainly, said Alice thoughtfully. But then, I shouldn't be hungry for it, you know. Not at first, perhaps, said the Hatter, but you could keep it to half past one as long as you liked. Is that the way you manage? Alice asked. The Hatter shook his head mournfully. Not I, he replied. We quarrelled last March, just before he went mad, you know, pointing with his teaspoon at the March Hare. It was the great concert given by the Queen of Hearts, and I had to sing. 
Twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder what you're at. You know the song, perhaps? I've heard something like it, said Alice. It goes on, you know, the Hatter continued, in this way. Up above the world you fly, like a tea tray in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle. Here, the Dormouse shook itself and began singing in its sleep. Twinkle, 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 twinkle and went on so long that they had to pinch it to make it stop. Well, I hardly finished the first verse, said the Hatter, when the Queen jumped up and bawled out, He's murdering the time! Off with his head! How dreadfully savage, exclaimed Alice. And ever since that, the Hatter went on in a mournful tone, he won't do a thing I ask. It's always six o'clock now. A bright idea came into Alice's head. Is that the reason so many tea things are put out here? she asked. Yes, that's it, said the Hatter with a sigh. It's always tea time and we've no time to wash the things between whiles. Then you keep moving around, I suppose, said Alice. Exactly so, said the Hatter, as the things get used up. But what happens when you come to the beginning again? Alice ventured to ask. Suppose we change the subject, the March Hare interrupted, yawning. I'm getting tired of this. I vote the young lady tells us a story. I'm afraid I don't know one, said Alice, rather alarmed at the proposal. Then the Dormouse shall, they both cried. Wake up, Dormouse. And they pinched it on both sides at once. The Dormouse slowly opened his eyes. I wasn't asleep, he said in a hoarse, feeble voice. I heard every word you fellows were saying. Tell us a story, said the March Hare. Yes, please do, pleaded Alice. And be quick about it, added the Hatter, or you'll be asleep again before it's done. Once upon a time, there were three little sisters, the Dormouse began in a great hurry, and their names were Elsie, Lacey and Tilly, and they lived at the bottom of a well. What did they live on? said Alice, who always took a great interest in questions of eating and drinking. They lived on treacle, said the Dormouse, after thinking a minute or two. They couldn't have done that, you know, Alice gently remarked. They'd have been ill. So they were, said the Dormouse, very ill. Alice tried to fancy to herself what such an extraordinary way of living would be like, but it puzzled her too much, so she went on. But why did they live at the bottom of a well? Take some more tea, the March Hatter said to Alice, very earnestly. I've had nothing yet, Alice replied in an offended tone, so I can't take more. You mean you can't take less, said the Hatter. It's very easy to take more than nothing. Nobody asked your opinion, said Alice. Who's making personal remarks now? The Hatter asked triumphantly. Alice did not quite know what to say to this, so she helped herself to some tea and bread and butter and then turned to the Dormouse and repeated her question. Why did they live at the bottom of the well? The Dormouse again took a minute or two to think about it and then said, It was a treacle well. There's no such thing. Alice was beginning very angrily. But the Hatter and the March Hare went shh, shh, and the Dormouse sulkily remarked, If you can't be civil, you'd better finish the story for yourself. No, please go on, Alice said very humbly. I won't interrupt again. I dare say they may be one. One indeed, said the Dormouse indignantly. However, he consented to go on. And so these three sisters, they were learning to draw, you know. What did they draw, said Alice, quite forgetting her promise. Treacle said the Dormouse, without considering it this time. I want a clean cup, interrupted the Hatter. Let's all move on one place. He moved on as he spoke, and the Dormouse followed him, 
The March Hare moved into the Dormouse's place, and Alice rather unwillingly took the place of the March Hare. The Hatter was the only one who got any advantage from the change, and Alice was a good deal worse off than before, as the March Hare had just upset the milk jug into his plate. Alice did not want to offend the Dormouse again, and so she began very cautiously. But I don't understand. Where did they draw the treacle from? You can draw water out of a water well, said the Hatter, so I should think that you could draw treacle out of a treacle well. Eh? Stupid. But they were in the well, Alice said to the Dormouse, not choosing to notice this last remark. Of course they were, said the Dormouse. Well, in. This answer so confused poor Alice that she let the Dormouse go on for quite some time without interrupting it. They were learning to draw, the Dormouse went on, yawning and rubbing its eyes, for it was getting very sleepy. And they drew all manner of things. Everything that begins with an M. Why with an M, said Alice. Why not, said the March Hare. Alice was silent. The Dormouse had closed its eyes by this time, was going off into a doze, but on being pinched by the Hatter, it woke up again with a little shriek and went on. It begins with an M, such as mouse traps and the moon and memory and muchness. You know you can say things are much of a muchness. Did you ever see such a thing as a drawing of a muchness? Really, now you ask me, said Alice very much confused. I don't think. Then you shouldn't talk, said the Hatter. This piece of rudeness was more than Alice could bear. She got up in great disgust and walked off. The Dormouse fell instantly asleep, and neither of the others took the least notice of her going, though she looked back once or twice, half hoping they would call after her. The last time she saw them, they were trying to put the Dormouse into a teapot. At any rate, I'll never go there again, said Alice as she picked her way through the wood. It's the stupidest tea party I was ever in in all my life. A long time ago, when I was the same age as Alice, six years of age, I got a new baby sister. Suddenly, my house was filled with visitors, all coming to see the new baby. Lots of these visitors brought babies of their own. During that first year of having a sister, I spent a lot of time with these visitors and their babies, often being left to hold and play with the babies to give their parents a break. I don't know if you've ever held a baby, but they can be extremely wriggly and twisty. Looking back, I'm very glad I was able to hand them back, unlike poor Alice. Kiora, my name is Sinead, and I work in the brilliant library in Takapuna. The passage from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland that I'm about to read is one of the best descriptions of that funny situation I found myself in, of being given a baby and not being quite sure what to do with it. It always makes me laugh. It also sees the return of a very famous earlier character, the friendly but very unhelpful Cheshire Cat. Chapter 6. Pig and Pepper, in which Alice meets a baby who turns into a pig. Here, you may nurse it a bit if you like, the Duchess said to Alice, flinging the baby at her as she spoke. I must go and get ready to play croquet with the Queen, and she hurried out of the room. The cook threw a frying pan after her as she went out, but it just missed her. Alice caught the baby with some difficulty, as it was a queer-shaped little creature, and held out its arms and legs in all directions. Just like a starfish, thought Alice. The poor little thing was snorting like a steam engine when she caught it, and kept doubling itself up and straightening itself out again, so that altogether, for the first minute or two, it was as much as she could do to hold it. As soon as she had made out the proper way of nursing it, 
which was to twist it up into a sort of knot, and then keep tight hold of its right ear and left foot so as to prevent its undoing itself, she carried it out into the open air. If I don't take this child away with me, thought Alice, they're sure to kill it in a day or two. Wouldn't it be murder to leave it behind? She said the last words out loud, and the little thing grunted in reply. It had left off sneezing by this time. Don't grunt, said Alice. That's not at all a proper way of expressing yourself. The baby grunted again, and Alice looked very anxiously into its face to see what was the matter with it. There could be no doubt that it had a very turned-up nose, much more like a snout than a real nose. Also, its eyes were getting extremely small for a baby. Altogether, Alice did not like the look of the thing at all. But perhaps it was only sobbing, she thought, and looked into its eyes again to see if there were any tears. No, there were no tears. If you're going to turn into a pig, my dear, said Alice seriously, I'll have nothing more to do with you. Mind now. The poor little thing sobbed again, or grunted. It was impossible to say which. And they went on for some time, in silence. Alice was just beginning to think to herself, Now, what am I to do with this creature when I get it home? When it grunted again, so violently, that she looked down into its face in some alarm. This time, there could be no mistake about it. It was neither more nor less than a pig, and she felt that it would be quite absurd for her to carry it further. So she set the little creature down, and felt quite relieved to see it trot away quietly into the wood. If it had grown up, she said to herself, it would have made a dreadfully ugly child. But it makes rather a handsome pig, I think. And she began thinking over other children she knew, who might do very well as pigs, and was just saying to herself, if one only knew the right way to change them, when she was a little startled by seeing the Cheshire cat sitting on a bough of a tree a few yards off. The cat only grinned when it saw Alice. It looked good-natured, she thought. Still, it had very long claws and a great many teeth, so she felt that it ought to be treated with respect. Cheshire Puss, she began rather timidly, as she did not at all know whether it would like the name. However, it only grinned a little wider. Come, it's pleased so far, thought Alice, and she went on. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat. If you only walk long enough. Alice felt that this could not be denied, so she tried another question. What sort of people live about here? In that direction, the cat said, waving its right paw around. Lives a hatter. And in that direction, waving the other paw, lives a March hare. Visit either you like. They're both mad. But I don't want to go among mad people, Alice remarked. Oh, you can't help that, said the cat. We're all mad here. I'm mad. You're mad. How do you know I'm mad? said Alice. You must be, said the cat, or you wouldn't have come here. Alice didn't think that proved it at all. However, she went on. And how do you know that you're mad? To begin with, said the cat, a dog's not mad. You grant that? I suppose so, said Alice. To begin with, said the cat, a dog's not mad. You grant that? I suppose so, said Alice. Well then, the cat went on. You see, a dog growls when it's angry and wags its tail when it's pleased. Now, 
I growl when I'm pleased and wag my tail when I'm angry. Therefore, I'm mad. I call it purring, not growling, said Alice. Call it what you like, said the cat. Do you play croquet with the queen today? I should like it very much, said Alice, but I haven't been invited yet. You'll see me there, said the cat, and vanished. Alice was not much surprised at this. She was getting so used to queer things happening. While she was looking at the place where it had been, it suddenly appeared again. By the by, what became of the baby, said the cat. I'd nearly forgotten to ask. It turned into a pig, Alice quietly said, just as if it had come back in a natural way. I thought it would, said the cat, and vanished again. Alice waited a little, half expecting to see it again, but it did not appear, and after a minute or two she walked on in the direction in which the March Hare was set to live. I've seen hatters before, she said to herself. The March Hare will be much the most interesting, and perhaps as this is May, it won't be raving mad, at least not so mad as it was in March. As she said this, she looked up, and there was the cat again, sitting on a branch of a tree. Did you say pig? or fig, said the cat. I said pig, replied Alice, and I wish you wouldn't keep appearing and vanishing so suddenly. You make one quite giddy. All right, said the cat, and this time it vanished quite slowly, beginning with the end of the tail and ending with a grin, which remained some time after the rest of it had gone. Well, I've often seen a cat without a grin, thought Alice, but a grin without a cat it's the most curious thing I ever saw in my life. We hope these readings left you grinning like the Cheshire Cat. Would you like to have a tea party with the Mad Hatter? Or a very peppery dinner with the Duchess and the Cook? These are some of the strangest adventures anyone could find themselves in. We think poor Alice deals very well with these rude personalities and gives as good as she gets. No wonder young Alice Liddell asked Lewis Carroll to write these stories down for her. And we're very lucky to have them too. They have given me and many others hours of joy. Wonderland is an amazing world to get lost in if you can just find the rabbit hole. Stay tuned for more episodes with librarians reading Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass. Also, head down to your local library to find one of the many different versions or retellings for you to read, watch or listen to. Kakite Anon.